Well, uh, any of you ever feel in need of uh, a rest day, a day off? Yeah, some of you. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, uh, when when we were when we were younger and our children were younger, um, finding rest was a very very difficult um, proposal. Uh, I remember just. Years going by, it seemed like, where I would look at my wife and I think, how in the world is she doing this? And then, and now, as I'm a little bit older, I look at some of our mothers today, Amy and uh, Chelsea and Sarah with the little ones and, uh, oh, and Rachel back there too. And, and I think, how in the world do you all do what you do? And... Rest is hard to come by, isn't it? So difficult. So difficult to find that. Where do we find that? How do you get the time? How do you, how do you sneak that in? Um, you know, maybe, maybe a, a babysitter, you know, providing, providing help uh, at, a, at a time of need. Um, maybe your husband is is doing his job and he's taking care of kids too and um, that's something that um, Cheryl and I used to used to kind of, I don't know, we didn't debate and fight about but it was hard to figure out like how much of all this stuff should be, you know, how's this all going to work out? And I'm a little bit of an oblivious husband and I still am and so I really don't know how to help. How, I, I, I certainly haven't been the one to have all the answers for her. And so, what do we do? How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the need for rest? How, we deal, how do we deal with the fact that the work never ends? That it's always building up. And just when we think we've gotten through it and we feel proud of ourselves and we feel like, hey, we did it, we turn around and there's a, another mountain of laundry. There's another pile of dishes. Um, there's another... Uh, dirty diaper. There's another crisis happening in the life of your children or whatever it might be. Well, I don't have all the answers. But I want to, I want to point us to somebody who does today. Um, we find him in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 verses 23 to 28 uh, is a passage, at, on first glance, it's a passage about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, which was a, a special day of rest for the Jewish people. And it still is for many people today. What are we to learn about rest? What are we to learn about our needs being met? What are we to learn about hopes being fulfilled from this passage? Well, let's take a look at it together. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. And if you, if you wouldn't mind... Um, before we get too settled in, would you stand with me? Stand with me in honor of God's Word today as we read Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? 
how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for this word, and I pray that you will help us to understand it. See uh, what it is that you want to teach us from this. And more than anything, that we see Jesus clearly today. More clearly than we've seen him before. Perhaps in a different way, perhaps in a new way but always, Lord, in a powerful way. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys be seated? So here's, here's how it all starts out. They're, on, they're going through the grain fields. They're walking through the grain fields on a Sabbath day. And right away, Mark says, as they, as they made their way, as they were going along, the disciples were plucking heads of grain. So before we... Um, before we move on to the question of the Pharisees, as they, as they inquire about what's lawful or not, it's probably a good idea to understand, well, what is this Sabbath all about? Why would this be a big deal? Why would Mark point this out in his story? And so, it would be good to know <clears throat> that the Sabbath was established in the Ten Commandments. Commandment number four says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. On the Sabbath day, you shall do no work. Sabbath day, do no work. Okay, it's a day of rest. It's in the Ten Commandments. So I guess it's pretty important. So what is this Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath is the seventh. So when you read in the Bible, Old New Testament, you see that. That's the seventh. It's the seventh day. It's the last day of the week for the Jewish people. Where did that come from? Remember back Genesis? How many days did it take for God to create the heavens and the earth and all that's in them? Okay, I'm seeing, some, I'm seeing fingers good. How many fingers am I holding up? Six. Very good. Yes, six days. Well, wait a minute. What about the seventh? In Genesis chapter 2, it's a really... It's a really Awesome passage. I love it. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, God tells us, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, now there's a lot of repetition there. The word rest is repeated. Seventh day is repeated. Work is repeated. What he has done is repeated. Okay, you hear those repeated phrases and words over and over in just those few verses. It was, pretty, it was a pretty big deal. And so, because, because... God rested on the seventh day. 
He made that a holy day and then he, he put that into the Ten Commandments that he actually wrote down with his own hand on the tablets of stone and gave to God's people through Moses. And so the seventh day, the Sabbath, was a very big deal. So look with me at verse 24. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Well, wait a minute. What, is, what was unlawful about what the disciples were doing? They were going through the grain fields and they were plucking heads of grain. And it doesn't say, but the implication is that they were eating them. They were snacking on them. I don't know what time of day it was. I don't know if they missed breakfast. I don't know if they missed lunch. I don't know if that, maybe that was their meal for the day. I, I, we don't know. All we know is that they were plucking those heads of grain. And I don't think they were doing it just to scatter them around. They were probably nibbling on them. And how, how do we know that? Well, probably because the very next thing in the story that we'll look at in a moment is a... a Jesus answering and telling a story from the life of David. How he was hungry, how he was in need, and his men who were with him were in need. So, how they ate the bread of the presence. So, the, it, the disciples were probably plucking the heads of grain and they were eating them as they were walking through. So, what's wrong with that? How is that breaking the Sabbath? How is that against the law? Well... The Sabbath comes up quite a few times in this story. In fact, we've already seen a couple instances of the Sabbath being mentioned. Um, Jesus went to Capernaum on the Sabbath in, in chapter 1. And um, the very next story that we're going to see right after this, he once again goes into a synagogue on a Sabbath day and he heals somebody again. And then on and on it goes. Why the Sabbath? Well, well, there were two there were two big ceremonial observances for the Jewish people. One of them was the act of circumcision. That was a big deal. The other one was the keeping of the Sabbath. In fact, it was such a big deal that it really defined Judaism. It defined Judaism in a way that the temple or the city of Jerusalem didn't. You know, every other, uh, every other religion has their, their most holy place. They have that place that is the center of everything. Now, Jerusalem certainly was that for ancient Israel. But Jerusalem had its issues. They were, they were taken out of Jerusalem a couple different times. They were exiled from it. And during that time, that Sabbath day observance began to have preeminence. And so that became, became the thing that defined Israel, defined being a good Jewish person. And so these Sabbath rules that we read about in the Old Testament, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. In fact, if you read in Exodus um, chapter 20, um, you, you get a little, little more information besides just keep the Sabbath day holy. You get a little more information about don't, don't, uh, you're, you should, you should, um, uh, you should keep the Sabbath, 
Your servants should keep the Sabbath. Your animals should keep the Sabbath. Don't do any work on the Sabbath. And then on and on it goes. Well, by the first century, the Jewish people were, were pretty intent on keeping that law. And so here's some of the things that they did. They uh, actually established in one of their writings 39 classes of work. Um, not, uh, 39 classes of work that could not be done on the Sabbath day. And the third one was reaping, going through a field and harvesting grain. You couldn't do that on the Sabbath day. So, even if it's the time of the harvest, it's time to go. We've got to get out there. We've got to bring in the, we gotta bring in the, the, the fields. And they said, nope, it's the Sabbath day. We're not going to do it. We're going to wait. They had 39 classes of work. Plowing and hunting and butchering and, and even um, tying or loosening a knot. Or even you couldn't sew more than one stitch of clothing. Um, you couldn't write more than one letter of writing. I mean, it got really detailed. Uh, some of the rules were, they even had a rule of you couldn't um, set a dislocated hand or foot. It had to wait until the next day. Uh, if your roof fell in, you couldn't repair it. That's work. You can't repair your roof until the next day. But then they, had, they did have a rule. They had an exception that if the roof fell on people, you could remove enough of the rubble to recover any live victims. But if, any, if they were dead, you had to leave them until the next day. I'm just kind of scratching my head at that one. The, the Dead Sea Scrolls actually have some more, some more laws, some more rules. You couldn't carry any children on the Sabbath day. You couldn't help out any birthing animals on the Sabbath day. And this one might sound familiar because it actually comes up in the Gospels. You, can't, you couldn't retrieve an animal that fell into a pit or into a snare on the Sabbath day. You just had to wait and then the next day come back and get him and hopefully he's, hopefully your donkey or your whatever is still alive. And this was the craziness of the Sabbath. Why would they do that? They cared so much about that law. They wanted to keep that Sabbath day holy. They, I'm, arguably, they had, they had the right intentions. So what they did was what they called they, a hedge. They put a hedge around the law. A hedge around that Sabbath law. And so one of them, of course, was reaping. And the Pharisees looked at the disciples and they said, well, what you're doing is you're reaping the grain. That's what you're doing. You can't be doing that. That's not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. Well, here's the thing. Hunger and need doesn't rest <laughs> when everyone else does. Does it? I, I mean, ladies, your husband gets a day off and he comes home and he wants to, you know, kick back and, and rest and take naps and, and you're... Day doesn't end, right? Your work doesn't end. Or, or if, you're, if you're daddies and you're taking care of your kids, it's the same thing. Yeah. 
it, it doesn't end. I remember, um, unfortunately, um, for most of my army career, uh, every time we had a, a holiday, a patriotic holiday, guess who was working? <laughs> I was, and that was my job. I, so I was part of a ceremonial unit in the military, and so every holiday, Memorial Day and Labor Day, uh, Veterans Day for sure, the 4th of July, the 4th of July, we just about went nuts almost every year. Um, there was so much work to be done. While everyone else is doing the barbecuing and enjoying their family time and, and this and that, I'm working. Um, that happened a lot of weekends too, didn't it, girls? Um, Saturdays, guess what? Daddy's going to be on a, on a trip. And so when my kids have their rest day, I'm working. So that's just the way it is. Things got to get done. And so hunger and need doesn't rest when everyone else is resting, just like the, we see the disciples. It's a Sabbath day, but they, they were hungry. They were looking to satisfy that hunger. So, hence the question by the Pharisees. Why are you doing what is not lawful? Well, look at, look at what Jesus says. Have you never read what David did? Okay, David is Old Testament David. David who was a shepherd boy. David whose name is attached to the majority of our Psalms. Um, David who became king of Israel. And there was this period of time after his after his anointing and being ordained as king that he was waiting, 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 waiting until the time that he became Israel's king. And it was during that time that he was in need and he was hungry and he was meeting up with his men and he was on the run from a king who was trying to kill him. And he comes into the house of God, which at that time was not the temple. It was a temporary place. And, and he comes in and he says, Do you have any food for me? I'm in need. We're hungry and we're on a special mission. But our logistics fell through and we don't have our, our, our sustenance. Okay? And the priest says, Well, all we have is the bread of the presence. But it's holy. It's holy. There are rules there are laws about this holy bread. This bread of the presence. It's placed the 12 loaves of bread, one representing each tribe of Israel, are baked and they're placed in the holy place on a table every Sabbath. They're placed there and they are to be consumed only by the priests because they're holy. And the priest says, well, you can, you can have this bread as long as you've purified yourself. And Dave goes, of course, of course we have. I mean, we are on a holy mission. We are doing God's work here. Of course we are. Um, 
and, and the men with me. And the priest gave him the bread to meet a need that he had and the men who were with him. And this is the illustration, this is the story that Jesus points to to answer this question of, of why the disciples would be plucking heads of grain. Now, it kind of begs the question, uh, is, it, is, it, is there ever a time that we should break a law? Is there, can we justify breaking any law? And, and here we've we got to ask the question, can we justify breaking God's law? It seems like what Jesus is trying to say is, well, there is a precedence in our history, Jesus included within that, being a, a, a Jew, being part of the, the, the history of Israel. There seems to be a precedent in the past for doing what's not lawful in order to, what? Meet a need. Uh, some one commentator um, put it like this: that it was the 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 law of ceremony versus the law of need, and that the law of need would sometimes trump the law of ceremony. Well, <clears throat> maybe, maybe, but I think better than that is to sh- is 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 Jesus showing. Hey, if a need was met with this holy bread on a, that was placed out on a Sabbath day, then why are you, why are you um, chastising my disciples for doing something that isn't specifically unlawful according to the Old Testament? You're making up these rules. These are extra rules that you're, you're adding to your life. You're saying, well, I better live like that or, or I, better, I better do this so that I don't accidentally break a really, really important rule. The problem with the hedge around the law was that, was that it became the law. It became not helpful it became a, play, a way for need to be ignored. We'll see later on how, how Jesus challenges other rules. You do this and you do that, but you forsake forgiveness and mercy and justice. These you should have done. Is it unlawful to meet a need? I think for some of us, <clears throat> we need to uh, evaluate our own, our own lives, our own experiences. What kinds of things have we turned into rules in our own lives? Things that we, oh, it's, I, it's got to be like this. And that rule for us may be a genuine conviction about how you need to live your life. And go for it. But... Many times, those convictions, those rules that we make for our, our own lives become a barrier between us and other people. Keeps us from loving. Keeps us from showing compassion. Keeps us from meeting genuine needs that are around us.
should I give you some examples? <laughs> Do you keep one day more holy than another day? Do you dress a certain way and expect other people to? Uh, appearances? How about, how about the, the, the things that you enjoy doing, recreating, or the things that other people do? Or the things that you said, oh, I, I, I never do that. And you make sure that everybody knows that so that they feel bad. <laughs> it's easy, very easy to do. But look what God, look what Jesus is doing here. He's taught, the, the story's about the Sabbath. The, the, the story's about a need. And, and so we got rest and we've got need. But, but what is Jesus really doing with the story about David? Is he really answering the question, when is it lawful or when is it okay to break the law? I think he's doing something far more significant. Who is, who is walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath? Jesus and his disciples, right? We could almost say Jesus and his men. And then who is in the story that Jesus is talking about? Who is in need? David and his men. See, what Jesus is doing, more than, more than trying to start a debate about, is it ever okay to steal something as long as it's justified and as long it's going to meet a need? Is it, is it ever okay to lie about something as long as it's to protect somebody else? I mean, what if you're hiding Jews in 1940, you know, Nazi Germany? Is it okay to lie? Is that, a, I mean, is that not a question people have asked or, or have had to deal with? There's, it's more than this. It's more than just entertaining that question. Jesus is pointing to David and he's saying, that's me today. That's my men. See, Jesus is comparing himself to David. Who was David again? Well, yes, the shepherd boy, anointed as king. But who was king first? Saul. Saul was the, Israel's first king. The, the people longed for a king. They said, we want a king to lead us into battle. We want a king so that we can be great like the other nations around us. We want a king that will fulfill all of our hopes and all of our dreams for us as a nation. And Saul crashed and burned and so David came in and God provided a king to fulfill all of Israel's hopes. That's what we saw in that passage in 2 Samuel chapter 7 earlier today. How the, the prophet, uh, was it Nathan? Who was sent by God to David to, to say, David, it was me who took you from, from the fields. It's me who's going to make you a great name. Who's going to build up your house. I'm going to do this for you. And that's who David became. He, he became king. And he fulfilled all of those hopes that Israel had. And he was their greatest king. And then when he got old and died, and his, 
The, the kingship passed on to his son and then to his son after that and on and on and on. Israel kept looking back. Oh, the glory days. Remember when David was king? That was what it was all about. That was, that was when all of our hopes were fulfilled. We need another king like that. The story that we have in front of us is not simply a story about the Sabbath. It's about Jesus. Like every story in the Bible. It points us to Jesus. And, and if we're not careful, we'll, we'll turn this passage into a, like, well, how should we keep the Sabbath day today? Or should we replace the Jewish Sabbath with another day? Um, or how... We'll get, we'll get caught chasing these stories around and, or these, these, uh, these debates and we'll miss Jesus. In verse 27, he says, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, Look, this really isn't about what you do or don't do on the Sabbath. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. What, what, did, what, what happened? God established the Sabbath day. As a day of rest. This is a day to stop working. That's what rest means, by the way, in the Bible. It means stop. Maybe, maybe you do need to hear that. And maybe that's what God is trying to speak to you about. You just need to stop what you're doing and take a breather. Why? God provided that Sabbath day. He, it was a blessing. It was supposed to be a day of blessing for His people. And it, was, it had begun, begun to be distorted into something that it wasn't meant to be. The Sabbath was made for man. God made the Sabbath day. He established it before man was ever created. It was made for Him, just like everything else in creation was made for mankind. God didn't go, hey, you know what I really need? Is I need some people who can keep the Sabbath day. That's what I'm going to do. You've got to be very careful about that. But this is Jesus going, this is what the Sabbath was, was, was made for, so therefore. Verse 28, that word so means therefore or then. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What is this? This is Jesus' definitive statement. He's the Son of Man. That's His divine title. We've, we've seen many titles. He's the Christ. He's the Son of God. He's the Beloved Son. He is the Holy One of God. He is all of these things. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is saying, I have authority over all these things. The Sabbath, I have authority over it. In fact, I have absolute authority. And it's not just over the Sabbath. Because see, the reality is that it was me who established the Sabbath day. It was me who satisfied your need. Manna 
in the wilderness the bread of life. It was me who provided a king. It is me who is the king. In fact, if, if we wanted to, we could go back through this list and go, it's Jesus who is our rest. It's Jesus who is our bread. It's Jesus who is our king. Jesus, by his death on the cross, established absolute authority to provide, to eternally provide rest. That's what he does. That's what he does. You may, you may not find much rest in this life. You may be weary until you die. And then you will rest with him for eternity. The thing about, the, thing about the, the rest that God provides in Jesus, when he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That rest we have with him now. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait until uh, we're done with this life and, uh, okay, Jesus, take me now. He's offering that to us now. And in him, maybe we will learn to trust him even with rest in this life. He has absolute authority to completely satisfy every need of ours. That's what he does. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me shall not hunger. Whoever comes to me shall never thirst. He provides ultimate and complete satisfaction. That's what he does. Nothing else is going to satisfy us. Nothing else that you try to chase around in your life is going to satisfy you. Not like Jesus does. Not like Jesus will. He has absolute authority to perfectly fulfill all of our hopes. We're, we're looking for something. We're, we're waiting for, um, for something to come about. We're looking for justice uh, we're looking for, for some resolution to whatever's going on. He is the only one who will fulfill the true longings in our hearts. Those other things won't. A relationship or a job or a career or pleasure of some kind, that's not going to fulfill the longings that you have. But Jesus will. He does it perfectly. So, what are we to do? Turn to Jesus. Trust in Him. If you haven't, you need to. He's the only one who can offer what you and provide what you really need. And, and what this world around us really needs as well. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I do thank you for, for providing Jesus for us. I thank you that in the midst of, of 
our craziness amidst of our, our lives of of stress and and uh, and weariness work that we can look to you God and we can find our satisfaction in you we can find our hopes fulfilled in you we can find the rest that we absolutely need thank you God that you have already done all of the work for us it's already done it was done on the cross and we give you praise and glory for that in Jesus name Amen.